Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Now, here's your host, Brian Moran. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast. Today, I want to welcome back to our show, Paul Perret. Uh, last year, Paul was on our show, and uh, actually, Paul, it's still one of the most listened to podcasts we've ever done. So our goal is to see if we can beat that today. Uh, We'll be talking about cybersecurity. And Paul is an attorney who provides privacy and data breach counsel for firms after data incidents. So with that, I want to welcome to the Small Business Edge podcast, Paul Perret. Hey, Brian. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, likewise, Paul. You know, it's amazing. And, And this is how ignorant I am. I thought, you know, oh, I'll have an athlete on or a celebrity or something like that. And that's not to say that you're not very impressive in your own right with your own area. No athlete or celebrity, that's for sure. <laughs> but that, that is one of our most listened to and most downloaded podcasts on your cybersecurity tips last year. Was it, wait, Excellent. that might even been, that wasn't two years ago, right? That's all kind of a blur to me now. But I, I do know it. It's in the top two or three. Excellent. Well, uh, ask me questions and let's see whether or not we can educate <laughs> some folks. Let's see if we can top it. Well, it's definitely a hot topic and yes. it's definitely on the minds of a lot of small and mid-sized companies. So, all right, why don't we start off with kind of the current state of the uh, state of the state? What is happening with cybersecurity right now in the small to mid-sized business market? Well, it's interesting because uh, there's surveys that come out every year and they talk to the issue of how much money is being spent on uh, cybersecurity and they focus on the small business market. And every year, everybody says, well, we're going to spend more. We're going to spend more. We're going to spend a lot more. Um, And there are hits, you know, there's uh, between 15 and 40 percent. You do have acknowledged incidents. but it remains to be seen whether or not that money is being spent. And given last year, I would tend to doubt it's being spent because really, frankly, you have to survive first. And uh, this is ancillary or, you know, trickle down how important it is yeah. uh, when, you're, when you're not making payroll and uh, not doing business. So it's not as important. Um, but the good news, the overall good news is that there's been an uptick in the cyber insurance market, small business owners. So that would dictate that there's naturally a benefit uh, derived from that. We can talk about that a little bit later. Um, so I think overall, um, it's got to be perceived as positive and much better than it was just a couple of years ago. So well, in, what, you, you said there's an uptick in the cyber insurance market. What, what is that? Cyber insurance basically pays if there's an incident. Um, and the thing that's different about it, and there's um, now a movement in the insurance industry to delineate between cyber insurance and non-cyber insurance. So for example, most small business owners are acclimated to buy uh, certain policies because they have a need and a requirement, liability, property. Uh, so they, they have no choice in the matter. They buy it and it's fairly standard and there's not much negotiation and there's not much that you could do about it. Cyber insurance is perceived as more of a non-standard line. So there's more customization to the coverages. That's why you have a lot of different players. 
Um, but in the past couple of years, what we've noticed is that there's been more of an uptick in the small business market. Uh, pricing has come down. Um, and, and I think that's a good sign. I think overall, if you're a small business owner and you purchase this type of insurance, uh, you get a lot of benefits. Um, so if I get hacked, help. my business gets hacked, I can have cyber insurance that will protect my losses, my downside? Yeah, uh, but it protects you on the front end, sort of like uh, not just on a liability, because most, most small business owners are not going to get sued uh, if they have an incident, uh, but they are going to need counsel. They're going to need uh, some forensics firm to help them out. They're going to need some very immediate um, vendors to come in, jump in and help them out. And typically a small business owner really wouldn't know where to turn. Uh, their standard lawyer is not going to know how to do uh, what is needed to help. Uh, the accountant that they turn to is not really going to help much. Um, so having the insurance broker purchase this insurance beforehand gives them a quick phone call uh, to make in order to get access to counsel, which is really what's important in the early stages of an incident. And, and I want to get into another area and pivot a little bit. But before we do that, um, one last question about cyber insurance. You said the, the rates are coming down. So is it in line with, you know, I know a lot of small business owners will not buy um, disability insurance because of how expensive it can be, either at 60% or 70%. Uh, and, and they tend to play Russian roulette with that. Uh, is, is cyber insurance in a similar situation where it's an investment? In, well, in terms I, of I think it's, it, I think it's beneficial for a number of reasons. Uh, first of all, the market actually is starting to harden because there's been so many ransomware attacks uh, and they're paying seven figures, sometimes eight figures in ransom, uh, which is significant, obviously. Uh, but one of the benefits you have is you complete an application and the application, um, let me call uh, one of these applications up. Okay, they, they'll ask you questions like, uh, does your security and privacy policy include mandatory training for all employees? A, a small business owner may not have a security and privacy policy, and B, no training whatsoever, uh, let alone mandatory training. So this type of question opens up the door as to what may be needed um, and, you know, do you encrypt all sensitive information that is transmitted within and from your organization? So, uh, you know, there's a bunch of questions there that talk to the issue of safeguards. And I think that's an important uh, risk management tool that's free. I mean, what, what I'm going to talk about during this podcast are things that you could be doing now at low to zero cost. So even if you ultimately choose not to buy the insurance, doing the application and getting through that process is helpful. Sure. Sure. Does that tie in with like PCI compliance? That, that sort of, is that, is that different? Because I think of the PCI compliance, like, uh, you know, accepting credit cards or sensitive information and you didn't protect it. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, PCI is a requirement. Let's say you're a restaurant, uh, you, yeah. you're going to have to be PCI compliant. And, and, and the metrics are much lower for small business owners. Um, uh, I, you know, what, what I've seen over the years, I've represented restaurants that have been hacked. Um, and oftentimes, you don't even know about the hack. 
uh, MasterCard tells you about the hack. Oh my and, God. Then, and then you have to address it. And then they sometimes fine you because under PCI DSS, you, you have to pay certain fines because it's all contractual. Um, uh, payment card industry data security standards. That's what it stands for. Mm-hmm. You, you basically have to pay because contractually you're obliged to cover their costs. So it can, you can run up into high figures uh, pretty quickly, even for small business owners. Wow. It's, it's, it's got to be mind numbing. So, so let's talk a little bit about that. Where are the areas that business owners are most vulnerable right now to a cyber security event? Well, I, I think people now really understand that phishing is um, a significant security risk. Uh, so there's been more uh, efforts placed on, on uh, training, um, but that's probably one of the biggest uh, security vectors that we've seen. Uh, one of the things that you've got to keep in mind is that um, everybody's vulnerable, right? So if of you course, have that yeah. mindset, you know, so if you have that mindset, the largest company, the smallest company is vulnerable, where would you go? And so actually, uh, I wanted to look at something uh, and talk to you about it. Verizon every year comes up with their data breach investigations report. Mm-hmm. And so what I did is I looked at the 2020 report and uh, this I did the other day and compared it to the 2010 report. And what was interesting was that if you look at this, um, you'll see that there has been a complete change in the dynamic of the incidents, okay? So in 2010, retail accommodation, which is the hospitality industry and finance were through the roof. I mean, they, they totally dominated all the incidents. So remember, hospitality, finance, retail, what do they have in common? Exactly what you just described, PCI. They yeah. have credit card information. So that's been compressed, okay? So in 2019, which is the data for this 2020 report, it's the public sector, manufacturing, and education. Those are the ones that are more dominant. And so... You know, so you could see it one of two ways. One, that because of PCI compliance, they've gotten better. Or number two, which I think is probably more likely scenario, all of our credit card data is sort of out there. uh, And the attackers don't really care about that anymore. So they go to public manufacturing, education. They want to get data more about individuals Mm -hmm. and companies uh, for, for, you know, intellectual property theft and things that are a little bit more lucrative. Uh, so, and also for ID theft. So there's it, it been a, a, a movement over the past 10 years away from the, um, the credit card information. And, and taking, as you said, the identity theft. So when you hear those massive breaches where, you know, 150 million identities were stolen, uh, that th- it's, it's kind of like this, um, we, we're going to create a whole new identity and, and get take out loans and credit cards in your name, right? That's what they're selling. Absolutely. And, okay. and you can go now on the dark web, which is not accessible to most uh, folks through their browsers. Uh, they would have to have a Tor protocol or something that allows them to go there. 
And not only that, you have to know where to go and you have to get in. So it's very difficult to navigate. Uh, but when you do that navigation, you'll find very easily anybody's information. Uh, you can search it out and you can get everything. Uh, I will never be visiting the dark web, by the way. <laughs> I'm very comfortable in my ignorance uh, by staying uh, with two feet firmly on the ground. So I will not be adding any, any app or plug into my computer. <laughs> well, so. there's security professionals that do that and that uh, get paid to do that very well. Uh, and, and there's a reason for that, because once you get hacked, you want to know where your data is. I'll give you a good example. I worked on a, um, a ransomware attack where it's a Ryuk, which is known to, uh, well, there's a group within Ryuk that is known to sell their data within a certain period of time. So they sell it at a specific location. So if you go there and you don't see it, um, then there's a good indication it hasn't been exfiltrated because that's their MO, that's their protocol. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you want to go into the dark web just to confirm whether or not data is there to see whether or not you have a notification obligation uh, because under numerous state laws, you do have an obligation to um, notify uh, potential uh, victims if there's been a breach. So right. there is a reason sometimes to go um, other than curiosity's sake. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll leave that to the experts. Uh, all right. So talking, you know, again, about business owners in the SMB space, one of the challenges, and you mentioned this at the very beginning, you know, why am I going to be interested in cybersecurity defense when I'm having trouble with my payroll? Even, even some of the stronger uh, and larger small businesses um, have a finite budget when it comes to almost any part of their business. So looking at cybersecurity defense, where would you say is their money best spent? Again, look for things that are free. Um, for example, if you have Apple laptops, mm -hmm. uh, you, you turn on File Vault. You make sure that your, your, your computer is encrypted. Um, it's free. It's a feature. Uh, make sure that's done. Uh, make sure you have the right patching. Um, uh, that's something that, uh, if you remember Equifax, they were um, hit with a massive attack. There was a, um, a warning, a uh, patch warning on a web application that they used. They sort of ignored it mm -hmm. uh, for whatever reason for a while. And uh, it was used as a vector uh, to get in. And that's the sort of thing that could have been prevented. Uh, so even large companies like that, you know, don't invest the resources. Um, so let's say, for example, if you're using outsourced IT, make sure you ask the question, uh, how do you do patching and how quickly is uh, patching done? There's something known as a zero day uh, exploit, uh, which means that the very first day that it's announced as an exploit, there's already been um, attacks on it. So knowing in advance and being able to say up to speed, uh, you know, there's like patch Tuesdays, uh, you know, people are in the industry would know um, that. So that's something you would ask uh, your tech vendor uh, if they're up to speed on patching. Again, something that's given out for free uh, by most uh, software developers. Uh, so th these sort of things, um, 
that you can do on a daily basis uh, that don't cost much money are things like uh, making sure your employees recognize the seriousness of not clicking on something um, and, and just uh, the, 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 the spear phishing that's going on right now, which is more of an attack on individuals um, as groups, um, is quite sophisticated. So I would just, I would just say uh, letting people know and, and taking advantage of some services. There's some services like Know Before, it's spelled K-N-O-W-B-E, number four. Excellent service and not, not that costly. Uh, they give training and give a lot of uh, informational uh, handouts that really help companies, small business owners especially. So uh, a company like Know Before, is that a software? Is that like a security software or is it training and education? Uh, they're a fairly large company. Okay. I've been recommending them for years. Uh, they're funded by Goldman Sachs, uh, and uh, but it's a very, very um, tight-knit uh, community uh, and, and very good at what they do. Um, yeah. So I, I think the challenge, and again, knowing how many you know different types of business owners I speak to over the course of a month, is that this is just not on you know, this is not top of mind with them. You know, if if we're all wearing blinders and our focus is on our customers and our employees and expenses, you know, and that's the the blinkers that we wear and then everything else is kind of out of our our view. um, This, this sits way in the back, you know, this, the whole idea. And it's kind of like that Russian roulette, right? Where you're saying it hasn't happened to me yet, or it happened, but we didn't, you know, get hit so bad. Um, but the, so the, the hardest thing is just trying to figure out, um, you know, what's the right moves to make. And like, you, you feel like you're jumping down a rabbit's hole when it comes to cybersecurity, because you, you know, you mentioned free stuff. I promise you that there are listeners on this podcast right now who are saying, I haven't even gone there. Like this stuff is for free. It's on my computer. Literally, I just got to turn it on and I haven't even done that. Um, what, what, what would be like the fir- first steps? Like, is it a tutorial? Is it reading up on cybersecurity? Like, how do I get cybersecurity 101 for my business? Okay. The FCC has something. It's called a cyber planner. Mm-hmm. So um, it's something that they ask you questions what's of interest to you? Do you have a risk here? And you click on it. And what they do is they create a document for you. So uh-huh. once you answer the questions, they create a document for you and it's done by the Department of Homeland um, uh, Security. So it's a, it's a very good document. Um, and you would go to get it at FCC.gov backslash cyber planner. Wow. So just go there, you use that. And, and that's excellent. That's again, a free resource. Um, but you know, the old adage, you can bring a horse to water, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Listen, yeah. if you want to play Russian roulette, yeah, play Russian roulette. That's fine. Uh, my, my view is it's whatever is important to you. I personally think if you have a good security profile, uh, I, I uh, worked with a company, um, a payroll company that um, really took this very seriously. Mm-hmm. And so what they've done is they've implemented a lot of things. I did a, a, a full review um and they implement a lot of things and uh just 
coronavirus. They, because they had a business continuity plan in place, they didn't have to pay $30 uh, per, per user for a cloud-based solution to connect right. because they already had everything in place. So talk about saving money, uh, that right off the bat saves a lot of money and a focus on customers, right? If you think about it a second, uh, if you have a better security profile, aren't your customers more prone to work with you? Isn't that a marketing advantage? You would think. Yeah, I, mean, I, would, I would say. So it's it's helped them. Uh, they're a local company, a regional payroll firm. Yeah, uh, I, I would Point. imagine that that is a, a definitely a selling point. You know, you mentioned employees earlier too. So I love that FCC cyber planner, and I'll put that on the resource page of this podcast so that people can access it. But you know, now that we're a year into the pandemic and people have been working remotely and there are, it seems like there are a lot more opportunities this year, right? For cyber security breaches. What can business owners do to include their employees as part of the cyber defense solution? And I mentioned no before earlier about training. Uh, mm -hmm. That's a platform that you can use. So you can engage uh, formally using that. Um, you can see some tips in the cyber planner uh, reference that I made earlier, but uh, you can include them by asking them, do you think it's important? I mean, uh, if, you know, they don't consider it to be important because um, it takes too much of their time, you may need to reevaluate what they're doing. Uh, one thing that's very important is figure out what they're touching, uh, what data they're touching. Is it sensitive? Uh, is it uh, client uh, data that is um, in some way proprietary? So figure out what they're touching and their level of interest. Uh, if they don't have a strong level of interest in protecting the data and it's not important for the management, um, you know, there, there's fundamental issues there that, you know, it's not going to be easy to solve. Uh, you probably want to move it more towards employees that are more responsive. Um, and basic issues in terms of um, um, using a computer uh, that is now at your office, but you're looking at your emails, uh, personal emails, what you click on is, is key. I mean, yeah. that you can't say, you know, you, everybody talks about blocking and tackling in football, and that's the basics that you really need to know in order to win games. I mean, you start at the very basic level. That's the sort of basics of security. Um, knowing where your data is mm -hmm. uh, and knowing who access that data, what sort of sensitive data is there. That, to me, is probably um, the number one thing. Uh, obviously, you need to put the protocols after you do that, but knowing um, the data and where it resides, uh, what it's used for, that, th th those are key. Always think about the weakest link. Well, and that's great. And, and so we're kind of coming into the home stretch now of, of our podcast. And I, I want to um, create some sort of checklist for our listeners. So you mentioned uh, number one, uh, data, knowing where your data is, where it resides, who has access to it is probably first and foremost, right? And then I would, I would think, you know, I listened to our last podcast, you know, making sure that any kind of sensitive data is obviously encrypted. And uh, if you don't need to have it, 
you know, so now, now the way like credit cards are taking, uh, the, the stores become a pass through, right? It goes right from the, the cardholder into a merchant services company, right? Like Stripe or something like that. Um, so that, that would be number one, right? The data. Uh, number two, I think, is that FCC cyber planner, you know, go on there, you know, print out that document and, and learn from it. I think number three would clearly be anything that's currently on your computer that's free, that's going to help you with your cybersecurity defense, you should turn that button on, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I think without a doubt, um, it's important to take advantage of the, the resources out there. NIST, they're fantastic. So if you go Google NIST, N-I-S-T, Small Business Guide, uh, you'll be able to find something uh, that's really helpful. I mean, NIST has five domains that really focus on the things that we were talking about, the identification mm -hmm. part of it. Uh, the protection, which would be the training, uh, limiting access to certain sensitive information, the detection part of it, uh, you know, installing the right uh, devices, uh, antivirus, spyware, malware, that sort of thing, monitoring laws, being able to respond. That's the fourth. And that's sort of like your, your um, uh, incident response plan, uh, making sure that you're testing that out and the recovery part of it, which is uh, one thing we discussed earlier, the cyber insurance uh, assists with that. So there are guides that are out there, and that's one of them that's really good. Um, and I would just advise uh, to look at that. Yeah, I'll make sure that we list that on the resource page as well. Because this is, to me, this is valuable information for business owners, because you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. You, you think, okay, you know, I bought this cybersecurity package, I must be all set. And that's never really the case, is it? And so there's yeah. that, there's the education uh, component, there's the implementation component, there's the testing component. Um, and I got to imagine that if you do all of these things, you know, is, is it like health insurance where you're a non-smoker, you're exercise daily, you're within a certain weight range, you're going to get a better insurance plan than somebody, a life insurance plan than somebody who smokes and who's overweight and who doesn't exercise. So from a cyber insurance plan, does that correlate? I do all yeah. these things and Right. There's a small correlation. The cyber uh, hygiene that you, you project out is going to help you get the policy versus not get the policy. So that at the very least is an important threshold issue. Yeah. Um, it depends on the competition. I don't want to focus too much on that because then you put blinders on uh, right. about the, the hygiene, what you need to be doing. But, but insurance, I think, is a good component of that through the yeah. application process. Uh, I think it's money well spent. I mean, I, I think one of the things you need to know is who your vendors are going to be, who you're going to call. Uh, and if you're a small business owner and you have an incident, uh, you have all of a sudden you have a, this uh, a message on your screen that you've been locked out. And uh, here's the Bitcoin address that I want you to send. By the way, when I first started this, the Bitcoin, uh, it was about 2.5, it was like four or $500 for 2.5 Bitcoins. That was the ransom they used to use. 
Uh, wow. Now the 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 amounts are, have changed a little bit in terms of uh, <laughs> uh, the values. Uh, yeah, yeah things, that's things that's incredible. Well, it, it, it's kind of like what, what you're talking about is something that I've referred to often: playing the what if game. What if we get locked out of our own computers? What if we get hacked and and we have a breach? What would we do? I think that's the 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 start. Like that's that's pre-step one on your checklist. And uh, so I, I think uh, maybe with your help, we can draw up um, some kind of checklist for business owners and that they can follow. I think it'll be incredibly valuable to them um, that they can look at twice a year. Absolutely. So long as they understand that it's not me giving legal advice because that can only be done through an engagement or a retainer because you don't know <laughs> how it's going to be interpreted and it's going to be uh, yeah. specific versus general advice. Then, and then uh, with that proviso in, in place, I have no problem helping out. Just keep in mind uh, this time of year, uh, the IRS will never call you, will never email you. Oh, and yeah. that, that's a prevalent uh, phishing exploit right, right now. You know, in order to get your your uh, COVID check, you need to click on this. Believe it or not, a lot of people automatically just go because they look so authentic now. They, yeah. They're fantastic in their uh, ability to send these out. Over 100 billion a day get sent out, by the way, uh, spam. Wow. And, and in that are many phishing exports, and they're really, really good. 100 billion fake emails or 100 billion emails? Spam, spam emails. Wow. According. Yeah. yeah. Is there is there any effort to curtail that or reel that in? There is. It's on the pipe level. It's done by the ISPs, and then it's done by the the malware. Um, it's called EDP. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so you know you um, endpoint detection and uh, protection. You uh, response to EDR as well. Um, so the, the, the bottom line is um, what's happening right now is an avalanche. It's so easy to do um, that, you know, it, it really takes some skill. And all they need is like uh, less than 1% uh, to click on something and they make a fortune, make wow. a lot of money. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, I feel like we, we got to have you back on. We got to, you know, we got to talk. You have an event. Don't you have an event coming up that? Oh, yeah. May 6th. It's going to be with uh, probably a couple of thousand accountants um, trying to help because they have certain statutory requirements as well. Ethical requirements. If they're reckless, for example. So um, it, it's important for them to understand this a little bit more of a deep dive. Uh, and that's going to be May 6th. So we have, I know we have accountants listen to us because they reach out to me. So um, is that, is that, is there a cost to it or is it free to accountants? Free. And, and also give uh, um, credits, you know, all accountants and lawyers, for example, need to have uh, continuing education credits every year. Mm -hmm. And this will be part of that process. Okay. Then we'll add that to the resource page for accountants only. It's for accountants only, right? Yeah. And I'm going to do one also for lawyers. So uh, Great. professionals. So if listeners had questions and I think they will, they will, what's the best way uh, for them to either get more, you know, uh, like 
content from you or ask you questions or how can they reach out to you? Uh, email um, paul e at parade.com uh, or you can give me a call uh, 201-281-5134. Either one. Uh, again, paul e at parade.com. I like to use that one. And it, it's funny. I, I just want to give you a perspective on something. We'll close on this. And I, I have this po- uh, blog uh, that I post things about security and and I was looking at some old ones. So this one's from February 23rd, 2010, um, you know, over 11 years ago. And I write over here talking about uh, something that's been happening for a while. So, and so I'll just read to you. Security specialists were warning years ago, and this remember is 2010, that there were hundreds of thousands of websites infected with SQL injection exploits. To this day, and again, 2010, SQL injection exploits remain one of the most popular tools for hackers to gain database access. Unfortunately, given the fix for such an exploit requires some basic coding, it's beyond the expertise or concern of most businesses and individuals. And the reason I I mentioned this, by the way, is I just read the other day that was a a major social uh, platform that was hit with an SQL injection exploit. So 2010, it was very prevalent. (laughs) And yeah. warning, and now 2021, and they're still being hit. That just shows you, you know, it's just a blocking and tackling sort of thing. Um, right. Good security hygiene. I think it's a. I think it's an important topic. I think all of our listeners uh, should uh, take time. Uh, either, either you're going to do it yourself, or you're going to bring somebody in. But you have to, you know, give this the uh, it's due. Right, where where you spend the time and the money and the resources to make sure that your business is protected, because the second you get hacked, you, you know you'll say, "Oh, I wish I did this. I wish I did that." And by then, it's too late. So, don't 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 wish for anything like that. Just play the what if game, okay? So, if you get hacked, what what will you do? And maybe that will be enough for you to take the necessary precautions. And as Paul said, you know, even the largest corporations get hacked at some point. So you just want to make sure you're doing everything you possibly can to avoid it, right? Don't become an act of convenience, right? Where it's like you leave your doors open and your windows open and you just have a sign that says, rob me on your front door. (laughs) Is that is that is that accurate, Paul? That I painted? that's that's great advice, uh, I, and I, and I I couldn't uh, put more of an exclamation point on it. It it doesn't take much, but it takes some level of interest. And you know what? Think about it as some pride, pride in your company. Uh, yeah. You don't want to you don't want to be out there as not caring about your clients' information. I mean. You should have pride, just like you have pride in the name of the company. You should have pride in what stands behind the company in terms of protecting uh, customer relationships or employee relationships, because some of the data that's stolen is employee data. Yeah. I think that's important. Great advice. All right, Paul, thanks for your time today. Great advice, great insights. Uh, I certainly appreciate it. And uh, I think we'll probably have you on one more time before the end of 2021 Uh, to talk more about cybersecurity defense and what business owners can and should be doing. I think we we need to, you know, our checkup, uh, just the way our businesses do. 
Um, I want to thank our listeners for your topic suggestions like cybersecurity. I've had a couple of you send in uh, this topic as a suggestion. I want to thank you for your comments and your questions. Please keep them coming. As you know, you can always reach me at Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at smallbusinessedge.com. And we'll see you next week for another installment of our Small Business Edge podcast. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to the Small Business Edge podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Please visit our website, smallbusinessedge.com, for a listing of future podcasts.